Hi everyone, I'm Vincent Joe, and you're listening to This Week in Skating. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. Last March, we welcomed two-time Olympian and 2022 World Bronze Medalist Vincent Joe to This Week in Skating. We talked about his career, time at Brown, and of course, the Olympic team medal situation. On January 29th, the Court of Arbitration for Sport disqualified Russian figure skater Kamila Valieva for four years for doping and said her 2022 Olympic results were disqualified. The following day, the ISU reallocated medals in the team event, upgrading the U.S. to gold and Japan to silver, while dropping the Russian Olympic Committee to bronze. So with this news, we are excited to welcome back to This Week in Skating one of the newest Olympic gold medalists, Vincent Joe. Welcome back, Vincent! Hi, Vincent! Hi, Daphne. Hi, Gina. Thank you so much for having me back. Our last conversation was amazing, and uh, I look forward to this episode. Yes. Well, first off, congratulations. You are now an Olympic champion. How does it feel? Uh, You know, (laughs) what's funny is that the very first day, people were like, how do you feel? How do you feel? And and I was like, I don't know how to answer that question yet. (laughs) There are no, like, I can't. I can't put a name to all these emotions. And then now today when I'm asked these questions, I still don't know how to answer it. <laughs> Just like, it's only it been is. a few weeks since you became an Olympic champion. So you've got time to know how, you know, how to feel about it. Yeah. It's got to sink in. Yeah. It's just such a surreal uh, experience. All of us, you know, my teammates and I, and, and everyone involved in the situation uh, have gone through. Um, and it's also like, it, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. So it's hard to it's hard to answer that question like yeah you know, maybe I'm thinking about it too deeply but uh it's it's hard to answer that question like oh I'm feeling so great like you know so <laughs> well it's been a long wait at the time they made the announcement it had been almost 2 years since the team event at the Olympics and that's a long time to kind of be waiting and wondering what the outcome is going to be were you surprised when it came out that they had decided to move in this direction and ban Valieva and then have everything switched around with the team event medals? Actually, yes, I was quite surprised because they have a history of swinging the other way uh, in terms of the favor of their rulings. Um, and, you know, it had been so long and there were you know, we actually we actually got whispers the night before the ruling was announced. We got whispers the night before that um that they would, you know, they would not disqualify her results and that the rankings would remain as they were. Um so you know when when the news broke the next day, the next morning, it was it was like a wave of water, you know, crashing over everybody's heads. So yeah. You know, we were at Nationals um, just as the news, we were leaving 
from we nationals. Fl- we were when, flying, uh, home. flying home when the new, you know, when the decision came out. But you know, the days before, there were the rumblings of it not kind of going what the way that it ended up being that it was going to they weren't going to disqualify her results i heard that through some journalists there so i was shocked when i saw the results in the ruling there with the fact that she was disqualified and then you know she you know for four years um too that was that was very surprising to me yeah i mean you know i don't I'm not about to go and make this this whole thing all about myself, but this actually that what you just described reminds me a little bit of um, of sort of my emotional state after the 2022 Olympics through the World Championships, where it was just like, oh no, you know, oh no, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and I started to lose lose hope, and then you know I showed up and at Worlds, and then suddenly felt like as light as a feather, and then and then walked away with the medal, like. Uh, this kind of reminds me of that all over again. It's like in these two years, you know, it's just like everyone's slowly been losing hope. And then all of a sudden at the end, um, the, the tides seem to turn somehow. Um, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I don't know if it's the way I was brought up, but it's always been very much not expect the worst, but expect that it may not go the way you think it's going to. And then you're prepared for whatever the outcome might be. And as Gina said, the rumors going around were not favorable that they were going to make a decision that would affect the medals. And then it seemed like, wow, overnight, it almost seemed like, I, I couldn't believe it myself. I couldn't believe it. Like I had to read it a couple times to make sure yeah. like I was actually reading what it said there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of that, part of that doubt comes from the fact that everyone knows that everyone, everyone knows that when you go up against, you know, the Russian athletic system, you're going up against the state and they, you know, they control everything and they've got the power to make whatever they want happen. Um, so that, I mean, that was another reason. That was another reason that, um, you know, that people just didn't really have much hope. Because they knew what they were up against and they knew historically, um, you know, how things had swung. So, Well, and this isn't the first time that there have been issues with the Russians and doping. If it were, then it may have gone a different way. But I think, you know, you have to think about the history and how far back this goes. And it's interesting you mention with Russians, with it being the state, because that's different than how skating is in other countries. Skaters in the U.S. are not federally funded athletes like they are in Russia. So it's very different. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say one of the other countries that you see uh, the government being involved in athletics to that extent it might be China, mm-hmm. and but but in skating, um, in skating, you know, when you think of top countries, perhaps the next one that comes to mind is Japan, and you know, figure skating is extremely popular in Japan. It's got a lot of support um, and a lot of funding, 
Um, but even so, nobody, nobody is involved in, in the athletes, you know, not just their careers, but their entire, you know, th their entire existence in the sport to the extent that the, that the Russian system is. So, I mean, in the U S it's, it's like pretty much like, you know, every man or woman for themselves, um, like, you know, most, most parents are, you know, struggling to afford lessons and ice time paying out of pocket and, um, the chance to, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned this in the, in the media statement, uh, last September, uh, when, you know, the initial hearing was scheduled to happen. Um, uh, but sponsors love medals and especially like in the U S where, you know, where, where skaters don't really don't well I, I i'm not gonna say for all skaters but uh, uh many skaters you know don't really have the means to to you know support themselves uh you know years and years of you know sinking so much money and so much so much resources into the sport like it's hard to keep our heads above the water and you know if we have the chance to go to the olympics and you know walk away with a medal even in even a gold medal, um, the potential sponsorships, the opportunities that come out, out of that would, you know, potentially allow us to continue doing what we love for years, as opposed to stepping away from it to, you know, to, to pursue a different career, because that's the only way we can stay afloat. And, um, and so, you know, the going two years without, without an Olymp, not, not just, not even, don't even mention Olympic gold medal without an Olympic medal, um, is quite significant and also you know a lot of sponsor attention comes from media coverage of the olympics and the fact that the media coverage was also overshadowed by the whole doping scandal made things worse so you're right i mean mm -hmm. even to come out of the games as olympic silver medalists with the medal I mean, it almost is like because you didn't get the physical piece of hardware, you really couldn't capitalize. And you're right. Sponsorship opportunities were lost for the athletes that were part of this team. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear, like this should go without saying, but you know, I've never competed for money. I've never been motivated in skating by money. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, in the U.S., there's there's not that much money in skating to be motivated by. But that being said, um, that being said, you know, I, it's always it's always just been about you know the Olympic dream, the 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 athletic dream, the pure commitment to figure skating, and and my love and passion for the sport. It's never been about the money for me, but that doesn't change the fact that there are very real uh, costs associated with you know what happened. Oh, definitely. And I mean, the different, one of the differences, if you state sponsored sports, they cover pretty much everything for the athlete here in the U S there's really no funding until you reach, I think the junior level and you get some funding depending on results. And if you get into a team envelope, so we're talking about juvenile intermediate novice None of that is funded by anyone except the parent or the athlete themselves. And that's very different than what 
happens in countries with the state-sponsored program. So it's it's different. Yeah, and so and so young athletes, you know, developing athletes' abilities to progress through those lower levels where there's no not not even a bit of uh, of of support or funding is, I mean, it, it in an ideal system, obviously, success is an indicator of you know your your physical ability and mental ability as an athlete, and and you know your your talent and your hard work. Um, and your and your dedication, but it you know in in this sort of situation, it, a big part of getting through those lower levels is just how how committed of a mom or dad you have, and whether or not you're able to you know afford to sacrifice. Like even even if like let's say even if you are well off, it's still a huge sacrifice of your resources, your time, your family life. I mean, yeah, it's like regardless of, uh, for, forget the money. Like I sometimes couldn't eat dinner with my dad and my sister and mom all together for two years. Like, you know, being able to, being able to come home and have a family life is also such a huge part of, of any young child's development, just as a, per, just as a human. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know a lot of a lot of young skaters have to choose and many many parents aren't willing to and and very understandably so aren't willing to give give up a you know a family life a normal education um and you know opportunities outside of skating for success in skating so and and, and, I, and I, you know we're talking about it like 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 we could do any better like i don't know how to solve this <laughs> problem no, <laughs> no not at all but sometimes <laughs> vincent i think talking about it and amplifying it a little bit and just getting it out there and putting it out there into the world because um i keep going back to stuff or some things i read in gracie gold's book where she just talks about there are things in skating we don't talk about and we need to talk about them and i think Sometimes you just have to talk about it and get it out there in where people can hear it. Because then, even though we can't solve that problem, maybe somebody else has an idea. Or maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't get solved right now, but maybe it does five years from now. Like, they're at least, I think, talking about it really can get it out there into the world. So it's something that people can pick up on and, and discuss. And, you know, we need, we need figureheads in the sport. Like we're so lucky to have, you know, incredible athletes like Nathan Chen um, and, you know, all, all our other champions to, you know, bring, I guess, to bring eyes to figure skating and to inspire the next generation. I mean, it's, it's really funny because, because, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was like Evan Lysacek was on the TV and you know he he was one of my biggest inspirations and i was like i'm going to you know compete in in that big arena one day you know i'm going to i'm going to be in in i'm going to try and be in his shoes one day and then a couple years later like i was out there at nationals you know trying to really make it happen but but and but you could see that and you know i went to champs camp like 7 or 8 years after that for the first time and he was the keynote speaker and i was like this is crazy <laughs> you know um 
and you know now like you've got like with 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 Nathan's success and you know to I guess to a uh, somewhat lesser extent also my own success in international competition and as representatives of Team USA I I think there are a lot of you know young Asian boys that are now getting into figure skating and you know thinking just like I looked at Evan Lysacek one day uh, or a long time ago. Uh, and, and, you know, saying, you know, one day I want to be out there on that stage. And then in a few years, in a few years, you know, maybe we'll start seeing them at champs camp. Maybe we'll start seeing them at international competitions. Like, like, it's really cool to have to, to witness that sort of tangible impact down the line. Um, so, you know, e even though, even though it sounded like I have a bit of a gloomy, uh, a gloomy uh, overlook uh, or outlook, Um, of, you know, young athletes development in the sport, I still do think there is a huge untapped talent pool right here in the U S. And I think that there's a lot that we can do to, to make magic happen for the next generation. So. I think so too. And yeah. I like that you mentioned role models because I think it's important for athletes to be able to, to look at those they're watching and, and, and see that something is possible. Mm -hmm. And that it can be achieved. And I think your story, too, of everything that you went through when you went to Beijing with COVID and the isolation, you overcame a lot. I mean, yeah. you had to deal with disappointment. You had you were by yourself and all of that. And you know that someone coming up can relate to that, you know, adversity and understanding, well, Vincent did that. I should, you know, I could, maybe I can do that. Maybe, you know, he overcame something big. Maybe I can do that too. And I think you guys are all serve as a role model. Your team, that team of nine, that two years of waiting for a medal. I mean, I'm just in awe of how you guys all handled yourselves through the whole thing. So I think, hope that the younger generation looks up and says that team was you know had everything going for them they did really well and then obviously had to wait through a disappointment of not getting their medals in Beijing not to their own fault not any fault of their own and how they handled it how they persevered through it um, I hope that serves as you know to show our younger skaters that, hey, you're going to face a lot of adversity through this sport. And if you're like those nine skaters and can handle yourselves like that, you're, you're, you're going to go far. Yeah, absolutely. And 2022, the team was, I mean, there will never be another team like it. Um, it it's kind of unique because Typically, you know, the Olympic cycles four years and every four years, a couple skaters cycle out and a couple new skaters cycle in. But the 2022 team was, was sort of composed such that many of us had grown up competing together, going to the same competitions forever. And we'd all been through, you know, another one or two Olympic cycles. Most of us had also been on the 2018 team some of some of us were on the 2014 team and so everybody was there was already great you know great chemistry and familiarity between everyone so it was i mean figure skating such an individual sport um but 
2022 truly felt like a team. It truly felt like everyone was in it together. And that, that made it so special. That also helped us get through the adversity at the games more easily because, you know, we fell back on each other um, emotionally more. And, and I think that those bonds really showed in the 2022 stars on ice tour, which was because after the 2022 season ended, almost everyone on the team basically retired. And when you, when you step away from skating like that, the, the mental, the mental difference is actually insane. I mean, I remember just waking up one morning and being like, like, am I, am I living in the real world right now? You know, <laughs> I, I didn't retire, but you know, I, you know, I was going, I knew I was going to school back, back, back to school in fall 2022. And then I would be taking a step back from competitive skating, but like, it, it was sort of the same feeling. Everyone else was retiring and, and, and it was just like, it was just like, wow, the world exists. Like, I didn't know that, <laughs> that things existed outside of my hotel room and the ice rink, you know, or like my apartment in Colorado Springs and the World Arena. Like, I didn't know things existed outside of that. <laughs> like, wow, this is so exciting. Is this is, is this a public space? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, honestly, fans of the sport may not even realize that that is a really huge deal once <laughs> yeah. you're i mean you're so focused on skating the olympic preparation all of these things your whole life and to have that stepping into the sunlight moment where <laughs> wow oh, there's a life outside of skating <laughs> yeah and i mean everyone was everyone was enjoying themselves so much and and also enjoying each other's company outside of a competitive environment because like you know we like I, I already said that you know we we kind of competed together at the same competitions through the last couple of olympic cycles and and there was already you know familiarity and and bonding going on but but many of us didn't really know each other outside of a competitive environment it was just you know going to the rink um, going to the the competition rink and seeing them in the locker room and you know congratulating them after a performance and you know running into each other in the hotel lobby or whatever but it was never uh, well I mean at least for me it wasn't like it wasn't like oh like we're friends outside of skating too you know but during the 2022 stars and ice tour everyone everyone just bonded as you know as a family and it was just so special. I mean, the before the final show, um, before the final show, everyone was crying. Like it's just been such a special summer, you know, three months, two, three months on the road together and doing everything together. It was just so special. I remember we had a uh so so they they call me they called me um DJ Vincenzo during the tour because because I was always on aux in the tour bus. And um during the last night, I decided to make it the, the last, uh, I guess the last leg of the trip to the final stop, which I believe was Portland. So, you know, we were, we were doing like overnight, uh, overnight location to location uh, moves. So during the last night, I made it like a sort of like an open song request um, night. Oh. <laughs> and then it turned into, it turned into this like, you know, classic 
songs sing along like really wholesome everyone just sort of like hugging each other and crying and uh it was just it was just so special um that the 20 yeah You'd been through so much together. yeah no the 2022 team is is like a second family to me it's it's so special Have you talked to them since finding out the news that you guys have been elevated to gold? yeah we have we have You know, we have group chats and we've we've talked about it i mean everyone's so everyone's so excited um it feels like it feels like the unspoken the unspoken bookend to sort of that episode um because even though you know even though after the olympics and after 2022 worlds we had the stars and ice tour together and that like that is irreplaceable it still was kind of not closed You know, like there, there was still a resolution waiting to happen and all of us knew it. So, but, but now it's finally, you know, now it's finally over. Yes, and you'll have medals in those empty metal boxes, hopefully very soon. Um, have you given any thought of how you want to get those medals? Um, yeah. There've been a couple of proposals. One I've heard is the the World Championships. Um one is the 2026 Winter Olympics and then obviously the other one's the 2024 Summer Olympics. And it's kind of like there's no perfect solution because Worlds is, you know, kind of too small of a bubble for this kind of thing. And then 2026 Olympics is appropriate, but too far, too far away uh, time-wise. I mean, does anybody want to wait another two years? <laughs> you know, and then 2024 is like, is, you know, it's the Summer Olympics. So, it, so it's a little like, I don't, I don't know if something like this before in Olympic history, where they hold a, a medal ceremony for, you know, one Olympics at a, at a different, you know, different type of Olympics. Um, but, you know, if, if this is the first time, uh, you know, it's like, nobody really knows what to expect. Um, we hear that it's going to be the 2024 summer Olympics. Um, so, and that'll be, that'll be like, at like start of August, I think, um, when the ceremony happens potentially. Um, although I, you know, I can't confirm anything. I don't know. Um, so, but that, no, it'll be super exciting. And in terms of, in terms of getting the atmosphere right and getting the, you know, the, the presence and, and the people there that we need, um, I think it's, I think it's probably the right decision. Um, I think it's interesting. So Japan, Japan will, you know, hopefully they will attend, um, but will Russia attend? That I mean, that's like who knows. So, Yeah, and earlier today, we got word from Skate Canada that they are appealing the bronze medal decision. yeah, as they should. They've written an appeal, and so that is, like, I don't know, is it an addendum or an appendix or, like, an addition to the book of Another chapter. <laughs> another chapter of the 2022 Beijing Olympic team event saga? I find it interesting that uh, they didn't follow their own precedent because 
Well, because my understanding is that the rule in 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 individual events is that if there is a vacancy of a spot or a disqualification, the rest of the field moves up. And and it's my understanding that there isn't an existing rule like that for team events. Like there's there's nobody just bothered to ever write down a rule for that eventuality. Um, yeah. But you know, now it happened and then they decided not to follow their own precedent. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of weird. Why would you not move up the rest of the field? It's about the, just the right thing to do and the, the, the fair way to, to allocate rankings in case of a disqualification. Skate Canada is, they're gearing up for a battle. I'm not sure what will happen i'm not sure if they will cha if there'll be a shift in the decision or or what the outcome is going to be i feel like we have part of this story has been completed because the us and japan are have been elevated to where they should be i'm not sure how long we're going to have to wait to find out the outcome for canada yeah, and it's unfortunate because it also, it, I mean, it casts another shadow over the new, you know, the new decision. Um, not not quite as big of a shadow as you know the original debacle, but still, like it, you know, it, it again, it's taking away from, like, can we just have um can can the rightful country, the medal winner countries, just have a a moment like in peace <laughs> without any? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, this this always got to be something. Yeah, and, and part of me thinks if the rightful countries were awarded the medals, we could have a full medal ceremony. But right now, it's sounding like we're going to be awarding medals individually. That there's not going to be this full medal ceremony. And yeah. That when I was on the call with the U.S. Olympic Committee after um the, the decision was made. They were pretty much, well, we're going to do a medal ceremony and it will, you know, we don't have to have the other two countries there. And I was like, even that still doesn't seem right to me because I feel like you guys totally missed out on a medal ceremony at the Olympics. And now you're not even going to really feel like having a full medal ceremony. It's just going to be you guys, which is great still, but I don't know. I Part of me is like, you need to have all three countries represented and yeah. get to have a medal ceremony. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hope that, I hope that, you know, whoever the rightful bronze medalist is, like whether, whether you want to say that's Canada or whether you want to say that's Russia, either way, I hope that all three countries show up um, because it doesn't feel right to have an Olympic medal ceremony without the three recipients of the medals. So even if, you know, even if the bronze medal is Team Russia, I hope Team Russia shows up. I mean, that would be, like at this point, like that would be a nice gesture. Just so we can have a complete medal ceremony and a proper Olympic experience. Yeah. And we know, we know that like as if there aren't going to be, in as, as if there aren't already going to be enough questions about, about the, the whole Russian situation uh, at the medal ceremony. But if, if they don't show up, um there's going to be even more questions and it's going to be like once again you know casting a shadow on 
on a great Olympic moment. Um, so I know I just I just hope that we get three countries. I I hope we get three countries at the medal ceremony. Um, but I also, you know, I also am really disappointed for Canada. And um that's that's I don't think it's the right result. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, Russia attending an Olympics, only athletes from Russia that have been cleared through a process are even able to compete in Paris because they've been banned from the Olympics. Um, I, Vincent, I, I think it's easy for me and Gina to want everything for you guys and i think just from the conversations i've had you know just tonight and previously i just hope that you all get what you want out of this because that's the most important thing because you were the ones that did not get what yeah. you should have had right and i'm talking you know about all of the athletes that were affected by yeah the postponement of the medal ceremony and you know all of this a whole court case that yeah. is going on for such a long <laughs> yeah. time yeah because selfishly i wish i was there when you guys get your medals like i i just think of you know well i wasn't in beijing but you know i i've been covering this and following this and i i feel like i should be there along with all of the other journalists who were there in beijing and our friends who were photographers there but really as much as you know we all want to be there it's what you guys deserve yes. and what you guys want it's not you know us or you know right. anybody else it's really what you guys should get and deserve um yeah. So, yeah. So, like, I, I know rumors were going around it. Oh, it could possibly be at Worlds this year. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be at Worlds. But then I was <laughs> like, that's not a, it's an not Olympic. It's not big enough. Yeah, it's not big enough. It's not the Olympics. Whatever you want. Yes. If you want to parachute from a plane <laughs> into the stadium, if you want to come in on golden chariots, whatever you want. That you sounds really that. like a cool, cool? idea. <laughs> well, because I'm just thinking about the spirit of the Olympics and the original Olympic events and Greece and everything. And so I think, yeah. There should be a whole parade you... and everything. Yes. Yeah. It should be big fanfare. <laughs> we're, we're giving you all these ideas now, Vincent. <laughs> yeah. Lots of lots of ideas. Uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be within the USOPC's budget. So that's that's, <laughs> yeah, the, that's the constraint. I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful ceremony when it takes place, and I'm just relieved that this part of the story is over. Yeah. For Team USA and Team Japan, that you both ha that there is a decision that's been made. Yeah. Now that said. The fight isn't over um, because like, you know, obviously we've already mentioned Team Canada is appealing, but the fight for, you know, the future of clean sport is only just starting. And, you know, you talk about past Olympics. Um, I know you mentioned them in the context of celebration, but in the context of anti-doping, you know, past Olympics, I mean, can you imagine how many 
how many unreported or uncaught or uncovered cases of doping there are where athletes who rightfully deserve a medal are never going to get them. They're not like, I feel extremely lucky that there's even a case for my teammates and I, I feel so, Yeah. I feel so, I guess, just disappointed and angry and upset on behalf of all the athletes, all the clean athletes in the past who aren't even going to, you know, have a case that their their situations are never going to see the light of day and they're never going to receive the medals they rightfully earned and deserve. Um, all because, you know, some people don't have integrity. Um, and it's, it's, it's just sad. And if, you know, if people don't speak up, if people don't take action, if things continue to go on the way they always have, then it'll just keep happening into the future. You know, they, they'll allow Russia back into 2026 Olympics and it's going to happen again. And then the 2030 Olympics will come around and it'll keep happening. And then 2034, and then, you know, our kids will be in the Olympics in 2038, and then it'll still be happening. Like, you know, it's a scary thought, but it's, it's very realistic. It is. Like, Mm -hmm. like change has to happen. Did, did we not learn from 2014? Has the world, That has is the true. world not seen Icarus? Has the world not learned from, from, you know, thousands of smuggled samples swapped out in little mouse holes in laboratories? Has the world not learned from, from investigations being delayed so that they could burn down laboratories and destroy evidence? Has the world not learned from whistleblowers literally being murdered in Russia? Like, ha has nobody learned anything? You know? And, and we're just going to allow them back in under three different letters next time when everyone knows it's Russia and they go and And they still got the same, the same support team, the same enablers all around them. And it's going to be a different set of little girls who are being taken advantage of and, and treated as, as cogs in a machine. Replaceable cogs. Yes. Two years later, they'll be swapped out for the next big thing. When, Yeah. when, you know, when is it going to end? And then they're just going to get away with it. Once again, they're going to win their medals for, for for their country and then they're going to go home and be paraded as olympic champions and everyone's going to you know everyone's going to say like like wow so amazing like our country has such such bright young talented athletes as if they aren't like you know all broken inside and 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 used because of you know somebody's god complex you know it's it has to stop somewhere It does. I think sometimes people forget the Russians are not involved in the sport right now because of the war in Ukraine. If the war ends and the Russians are allowed to come back, that only is one part of the issue. We have this doping issue and it has been going on all along, but that's not why they're not in the sport right now. They're not in the sport because of the war. I'm not sure they should be let back in until this doping issue is taken care of. Yeah. And I and I'm also concerned as you were talking about and we talked about replaceable Mm athletes. hmm Valieva was a 15-year-old girl at the time of all of this doing what she was told.
At some point, doesn't a coach and a team become responsible for that, for what they're doing for that 14 or 15 year old girl? Yeah, there's no accountability. That was the biggest thing with that report and not, yeah, okay, she got disqualified, but what about her team, her coaching team? What about anyone else who was entrusted with her care? I'm in full support of the fact that she was disqualified, but there should have been more to that. You Just yeah. not one person. There was more to this. You have to dig deeper. Yeah. You have to go further than what you're faced with at the front there's stuff going on behind that needs to be addressed for the sake not only for the sake of all the athletes you know in the world but the athletes in russia who i mean they're doing all of these things they're able to do all these jumps but are they going to be able to walk when they're 30 Mm -hmm. like it's not a good system it needs to be addressed it might work in their eyes because it's bringing medals but at what cost yeah they're all human beings. to the athletes they're all human beings they're children yes and you know you you mentioned you mentioned the reason that russia is out of international skating right now i all i've been saying this the whole time i think it is absolutely crazy that it took a whole war to ban russia and not decades of systematic doping I mean, that is wild. <laughs> That's completely unrelated. It's not even the, the right reason. No. It's not even the right reason. And anytime people bring it up, they're like, okay, when the war is over. I'm like, but no, it's not all solved. If the No. The war is a terrible thing. And having them removed from competition, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's a state-sponsored program. They need to be out of competition, yeah. like, like, but that doesn't solve this other issue that I feel like they've had their hands slapped a few times. Well, you can't compete under your flag once, then you can't compete under your flag again. Okay, <laughs> do we have punishment here? I mean, that's like that's like making a serial killer put on some different clothes and then let him back out <laughs> into the streets. <laughs> it really, I mean, yeah. I mean. It's like they're they're still training and they're, you know, Russia. They're still with their same coaches. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. It's just a different flag. It's only gotten worse. Have you seen, have you seen the, the intra, have you seen the Russian, you know, like intra country championships they've been holding? It's gotten worse. Now they've got, now they've got like too many 11 year olds to count that are doing it that mm-hmm. the that the strongest men in the world cannot. I mean, I don't know how anyone can look at that and be like, yeah, that's not unnatural in any way. Like it's it's one thing when you have like a once in a generation sort of talent doing that. Like for example, Alyssa Liu who is doing quad sows and toes and lutzes at age whatever, age 12 or 13. Um but that's one person in one country. When you have a whole factory line of them that are doing that. They're all doing it. And and it it all follows the same suspicious pattern. That's when you got to think critically. You got to think deeper. And then you look at the boys. They're starting to do it to the little boys too. You've got 12-year-old mm-hmm. little boys doing 10 quad lusses in a row and doing, you know, multi-quad programs. I mean, 
personally knowing like some of the most precocious young men to ever touch the sport, like Nathan Chen, for example, at that age, that's physically impossible. Mm -hmm. And even myself, you know, I had a, I had a surgery when I was age 12 for, for my knee. That was from doing triples. That was from doing triples. Just, just to give you an idea, I landed all my triples by the time I was nine, aside from Axel, I landed all my triples when I was nine and I landed them all in competition when I was 10. I started working on triple axles and quad styles when I was 12. And then I had knee surgery after that. If that's the sort of impact that doing triples takes on your body at a young age, and if that's the sort of trajectory and, and you know, pacing that it takes to, to learn quads at that young of an age, I can't imagine, I can't imagine the sort of, the, the sort of, you know, substances it would take to get little 11 year old boys and girls to that level, but not just that level, like the level that top men are skating at. It's yeah. completely, it's completely ridiculous. And the fact that anybody can look at that and think it's natural is mind boggling to me. Can you imagine the continued beating that your body takes at that age when your bones are not even done developed, like you're not done growing and developing. Yeah. I mean, Nathan had really bad Osgood Schlatters, I believe, when he was 13 or 14. And he, he didn't learn, I think he didn't learn a triple axle until 13 or 14. He didn't learn a quad until 14 or 15. Um, and, you know, and and look, look where he got. Um, but, but, he and I, you know, amongst many others, amongst everyone else, have had to deal with, you know, almost career-ending injuries um, at, you know, prepubescent ages because of triples. Yeah, and long hours doing the same thing over and over and over again. It, it's crazy, yeah. I worry for the safety of the kids involved. It's like no one is watching. And yet everyone is watching it happen and it can't, I mean, something needs to be done. And I feel like in light of this decision and the report, because it's very interesting if you read the report that came out yep. from the Court of Arbitration of Sport and all of these, I mean, outlandish theories that they were trying to put forward for her ingesting that. Oh, yeah. I, I read, I read it. 120 pages. I read the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, I figured you would probably read the whole thing. <laughs> like, oh you can't make this up. I can't no. believe it's actually in a court document. I'm never touching a strawberry dessert ever again for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Got to stay away from those. I mean, if you look at the situation, there are only certain people that can do something. And the issue is, like, a lot of fans that see this happening and watch what what transpired in Beijing in 2022... They can't do something themselves to fix this. And that's a helpless feeling because you want to do something. It's like, how can people not be paying attention? They need to pay attention. The people who can do something about it need to pay attention and do something. Yeah. But also, I think that the people, I mean, it's it's it might be a combination of a couple things. First, that the people who can actually who actually have the power to do something about it may not necessarily be involved in you know the technicalities and ins and outs of figure skating themselves they're right. you know in a different world they're in you know in an executive 
decision-making world. They've got different incentives, different, you know, they've, they've got different drivers to their, their, their behavior when it comes to the world of figure skating. And then the second thing is that unfortunately this kind of thing is so normalized in skating that everyone is just desensitized to it. People don't talk about it because it's sort of accepted and as a result, the higher ups, as a result, so this is where it con connects the people who are higher up who can do something about it don't ever actually end up hearing about it because the people they would otherwise hear about it from are already desensitized to it. So they don't talk about it. So it just never ends up becoming an issue. It goes back to what Gracie said in her book about there are things in this sport that we don't talk about. And as you just mentioned, they're not talked about at a level that it needs to be conveyed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to, um, I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I haven't just been, you know, a, a, a social media warrior, um, only going, going off on social media about this. I've actually talked to, um, you know, people who can do something about it, um, in a very direct way. And I've, you know, I've explained to them the ins and outs of, you know, of the situation and why, why it's so, you know, the, the, the whole Russian system is, and, and the, the, the way their figure skaters, their little boys and girls progressed is so suspicious. And it was very apparent to me that these people aren't figure skaters. They aren't like in the sport of figure skating. They've got different careers. They've never really had a touch point with figure skating. They're not, you know, they're not like figure skating directors. They're not figure skating investigators. They're they're directors or investigators who happen to have a case that involves the sport of figure skating, but you could replace it with any other sport and they would still be doing the same job. And having this sort of inside knowledge of how the world of skating works is so important to cracking open, cracking open cases like this. And, um, and so, you know, that, like I walked away from some of those, some of those meetings thinking to myself, like, like, no, it's no wonder that nothing's getting done. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. You can't, skating i mean like any sport skating is not something that you can just sit down and well here's the cliff notes version of figure skating this is how it works it's a much bigger conversation yeah. there's a lot to get into yeah with it and part of it is people don't understand just how much drugs can change your performance in skating because people are like oh it's just a heart medication like being able to breathe a little bit better isn't going to help you that much. I, the number of comments I've seen, like, like that can't help you learn quads. That, that doesn't make up for the raw talent and power these girls have. I mean, have you read the report? Have you looked at the list of substances they take? I mean, it looks like the back of like an industrial cleaning agent label or something. Like the, the 60, 60, 60. yes, 60. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, like, like I could, I could probably list the the supplements that I took on one hand, and most of them start with vitamin and end with a single letter. Like, it's, you know, yeah, it's it's really interesting because some of the, a couple of the Canadian skaters came out and said, "I was afraid to even eat a poppy bagel." Pop, yeah, 
<laughs> like, I didn't take Tylenol. Like, they were just athletes who were incredible. You're incredibly careful. Yeah, yeah. And and so, and so, you know, when you think about, when you think about how substances can, can help in figure skating at the highest level. So forget, forget all the, all the doping that it takes to do, you know, top senior man level technical content as an 11 year old little boy or girl for forget that at like let's assume that we're now talking about at the top level already like we're talking about say Camila Valieva and you know uh, Trusova Sherbakova wh wh whoever else at the Olympics at the top level everyone can do quads everyone's physical capabilities in terms of the technical elements they can execute is more even now then it comes down to who can be less tired in their program. And, and then it no longer comes down to like, can you do a quad outside of the program? It comes down to how much energy do you have in the program? And, and what, so I, I like to compare it to a 1600 meter sprint because that's like four minutes and a free skate is about four minutes. And both in both of them, you know, you're just going from the start and you got to pace yourself, but you're already tired after like, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, you're already, you know, like I've, I've done, mm -hmm. I've done, um, I've done heart rate, uh, heart rate monitoring, heart rate training, heart rate tracking in programs. Your heart rate's already at like 180 plus after 30 seconds. And it only stays at 180 plus for the entire, entire rest of the program. It, it goes up to 190 plus, um, you know, in the, in the last, in, in the, in the most intense parts. And, um, in, especially in the second half of the program and and towards the end of the program, you are running on fumes. I mean, your body is just dead. Like everything is even, even doing a, an easy jump, like a triple axel is, is, you know, it feels just impossible. Even putting a little bit extra into an arm movement in a step sequence feels impossible. Like you're, that's the level of tiredness we're talking about. And I mean, I mean, you've seen it. athletes doubled over after they finished their programs, you know, unable to stand straight. It's, it's, it's normal. It may not be good form. It may not look good for the cameras, but like, it, it, it time, happens. You know? but, it does. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, you know, so, so a direct quote from a Russian Olympic athlete that I've heard is that, is that with the, with the, you know, the, the whole cocktails they take, they feel better in the last minute than they do in the first. I mean that that is a crazy statement. Like imagine feeling so so this this athlete was like, yeah, we feel we feel superhuman. We feel better in the last minute than we do in the first. I mean, that that that's just insane. Like like you know, in the first minute of the program, you know, people are ripping quad lutzes, quad flips, you know, quad axles, whatever. Imagine having that advantage in the last minute of your program when the rest of the field is only able to, you know, squeak out an arm movement. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's wild. And that part of me is thinking when you said that now, is it, is that the reason why we saw so many skaters backload their programs? Oh, you bet that's why Zagitova <laughs> was able to do seven jumps in a second half every single time without fail. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so, and so that's only, that's only the endurance part of it. Then, then you factor in the ability, the ability to train for so much longer without getting tired. I mean, 
I mean, you talk to any, any, forget, forget figure skating. You talk to any athlete about training and like, like probably the most common phrase spoken phrase by any athlete ever is I'm so tired. Like that, yes. that word comes <laughs> yeah. out of everybody's mouth every single day, constantly. Imagine not having to deal with that. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I, like, <laughs> training productivity would go up like this. Yes. So it absolutely does have a role to play in terms of learning technical skill. And But th that's, yeah. just, that's just the effect of one dimension of substances that are being taken. Yeah, there's a much bigger investigation that needs to take place. One day, I promise one day it's it's going to come to light. I mean, I thought that day was was 2014 after the 2014 Olympics. I thought I, yes. I thought that would Oh my god. You'd think and that would have done it. 10 years later. You'd think that would have done it 10 years later. Here we are again. Here we are again. And unfortunately, it is a blurry line because it does take a lot to get an athlete to a certain point and and you know one one can very easily say that well the athlete and the coach and you know and the parent share the same goal so everyone is trying to help the athlete get to the same point and and in that way you know it could easily be justified that like oh the athlete is consenting or the athlete wants it or the athlete is willing to do it or the athlete understands that that you know they're like they're doing what it takes and and so that's also how how skaters end up rationalizing what happens to them and making it okay to themselves and then they learn 20 years later that all along that that probably wasn't healthy and that it's impacted their ways of thinking, their ways of operating in daily life every day for the last 20 years. And that's why they've been struggling so much to communicate to a partner or to approach certain types of tasks or, you know, struggling with, you know, with physical touch or struggling with vocalizing their needs. Um the, yeah, the, there, there are many intangible impacts, uh, not in a good way, that that people just kind of suck it up and, and have to keep going in order to reach their dreams. And I'm, af I'm afraid that, like, to a certain extent, it, it it's going to be really hard to eliminate that, almost impossible to elim el eliminate that in full, because there's a there's just sometimes it's just like what it takes and sometimes everybody is willing to you know forgive some of that if it means getting on the olympic team and living out their childhood dreams and in the end it it all feels like it's worth it and you'll hear that you'll hear the skaters say that in in the interviews because they truly believe it so it's just it's such a blurry line it's a difficult issue to tackle you know how do you make legislation on that how do you how do you write a rule book around that and who who gets to be the arbiter of is this healthy or is this not healthy i mean is training at all healthy is making yourself tired healthy <laughs> like is it is it healthy to, to make to make your muscles feel uncomfortable <laughs> like at, at, you know at where, like where do you draw the line you know people often criticize 
certain coaching methods as being abusive. Um, like, um, I don't know when coaches will sometimes make you do stuff when, when you're dealing with a little bit of discomfort or fatigue, the thing, the thing is like, I, I can 100% see the perspective of someone who says that that's an abusive coaching method. But then another part of me is like, well, if you don't learn to operate under at least a little bit of discomfort, how are you ever going to compete? I mean, often you're competing in the most uncomfortable situations because when you compete, you're jet lagged, you're halfway around the world. You, you, you probably threw up the night before because you were so nervous and you maybe got three hours of sleep and you know, you're probably, you, your shins and, and hips are probably all taped up because you were dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, aches and pains coming into the competition that you had to overlook just to get to the competition um, and, you know, and pull yourself together in time. And, and, you know, it's just like, it's like, where, where do you draw the line? What is, what is, what is unhealthy and what is not, and what is okay or acceptable in terms of what it takes? So it's, it's such a difficult issue to tackle. And I don't think that, like, I don't think that blanket legislation will do it. Well, what I do, what I do think, what I do think will make a huge difference, though, is improving communication norms between skaters and coaches. Because traditionally, nobody listens to the skater. Traditionally, nobody cares about the skater's needs. And, you know, when the skater says, like, this is my limit, the coach's job is to push the skater's limits. So, so traditionally, you know, the skater's needs don't get doesn't doesn't get heard and nothing ever happens and that's how you know career and end, ending injuries occur and and that's how you know toxic abusive relationship coaching coach student relationships develop um the norm moving forward needs to be better communication coaches and skaters need to understand each other as people and as the skater grows and matures into an adult and into their own person their voice needs to be weighted accordingly because if you know if you've got a a you know a full grown adult trying to tell trying to communicate to you something about a goal that you're trying to achieve together and and you're just dismissing them as like oh you're just you're just the skater like your opinion doesn't really matter like i know what's best for you because i've coached people like you for 30 years and and you should listen to me because i know best like that that's an adult you're talking to <laughs> you know so anyway, communication, communication mm -hmm. is everything. I think honestly, communication is the root of a bunch of <laughs> challenges that are out there. And I agree with you. I think as a child grows and becomes an adult, coaches do need to take a look at that and say, you know what? This person is an active, they're not just my student. They're an active participant in this goal. And we need to work together. And the best way to do that is by good communication and understanding of the person. Yeah. And looking at them, there's a difference between saying, I'm too tired and I can't do it because I'm exhausted. Like, I, there's no way I, you have to know the difference. Mm -hmm. 
the difference between when you can push a person a little bit further and when it's okay to say, okay, we're not going to attempt that today. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember this one, I remember this one time, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who it was, but, um, but someone I've worked with before, um, I remember it was on my last session of the day. And because I had not had like a perfect free skate run through that day, um, I was told that, you know, I had to keep, I had to keep running sections of my free skate on my last session with all the quads. And I'd probably already done 60 quad reps that day. I mean, you should be doing, That's a, should be I doing like imagine. maybe 20, but yeah, yeah That's I, a lot. I had been dealing, I had been dealing with a, a hip labrum issue and I mean, my body was just done. Like I could hardly lift a foot off the ice and, and I was just being told to, you know, to just go do it, like get it done, stop, stop, you know, being lazy and, 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 and get it done. Like you got to do it. And, and I looked this person in the eyes and I was like, look, my, like my body feels, my, my, my body feels broken. Like I, I can't do this. I feel, I feel like I'm done. And I heard, I heard back, I don't care how you feel. Like that, that was what I heard. I don't care how you feel. And those words just like hurt me so much. Cause I was like, like, I trust you. I trust you to, to make the best decisions for me and to, you know, to bring me to, to this dream that we share of going to the Olympics. And you're going to tell me that you don't care how I feel. So, I mean, that was, I mean, that was, that was when I was an adult. Can you imagine, like, I mean, I can imagine because, because I went through it too, but as a little kid, you know, as an 11, 12, 13, 14 year old, can you imagine what, what they go through? Because here's the thing, they can't even talk back. They can't even, they can't even raise their eyes and look at the coach and, and say, this is how I feel. They can't even do that. They're little kids. They can't talk back. They don't have, even even if they had the physical ability to voice how they felt, the power dynamics wouldn't allow them to, and their opinion wouldn't be taken seriously. I know because because I was, you know, I, I won my first nationals when I was 10. I won my next nationals when I was 11, and I won my third nationals when I was 12. Like, I was, I was uh, you know... I was pretty decent at a young age, I think. <laughs> um, and, you know, the sort of, the sort of, the sort of, you know, communication, forgive my French, the sort of communication crap that I had to go through in terms of just being shut down and not being listened to and being, you know, being pushed to the point of injury and being told that, that, I was faking pain and that I was making up injuries in order to get out of doing the hard work. I mean, that led to me getting surgery at age 12 and, and that surgery led to me getting depression and quitting skating. And by a miracle, I, you know, I returned to skating when I was 14, but, but we don't really talk about that because, 
it it's just no. it's just part of the culture. It's just okay. It is. So so this is all to say. This is all to say. Can you imagine what those girls in Russia and 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 boys now too? What those girls and boys are going through. It, it it's really scary. And I'm sure that they're happy to do whatever they're doing because of the dangling carrot yeah. of money, mm -hmm. fame, yeah. medals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're willing to do whatever. Yep. I didn't even mention my example to try and like garner sympathy to myself. I don't I don't need sympathy for myself. I mentioned that because I wanted to cast I wanted to cast a light onto what those other young boys and girls might be going through. They're yeah. they're going through it right now, and they're the future, and that matters a lot more. So, I I hope that I hope that uh, the people who should be held accountable are held accountable, and I hope that I hope that uh, we don't have to you know sacrifice any innocent children's bodies and physical and mental health for some you know fake glory. Agreed. Well, Vincent, we're so happy that you were able to talk to us tonight. We can't, in good faith, leave this episode without asking you or checking in to see how are things going at Brown? Yes. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Um, things at Brown are going pretty well. I mean, I talked about how stepping away from skating feels like stepping into a new world and um you know i'm still i'm still i'd say i'm still riding that wave there's so many cool things to to study i mean i'm an econ major i've taken earth science course right now and i'm working on a paper on tectonic uplift in the himalayas and whether whether uh whether tectonics or climate is the cause of long-term increases in erosion in the himalayas i mean it's such a it's such a cool topic and i and you know i've been trying to dissect these these very dense papers on it but i feel like i'm actually learning <laughs> stuff and and i can tell stories outside of skating you mm -hmm. know a random stranger that i that i might meet on the street and it's so cool like it's so cool to to, to have a to have a life outside of skating and to you know be able to make new friends and and meet people from you know all different walks of life and and oh my god, I, I sound like such an outsider right now. <laughs> no, <you're>, no. <laughs> I don't know. I think you sounded a lot like an insider like yeah. five minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not surprised you're writing a paper about the Himalayas because I know you enjoy <laughs> mountains <laughs> and oh, mountain yeah. climbing. Well, we had we had a, a list of uh, a list of topics that we could choose from, and so and so this was the first one, and so I, I just didn't really scroll down the list. <laughs> no. yeah have you and i have to ask this question have you thought at all about and and i'm asking it because i know that they asked <laughs> the the team <laughs> when they were on the today show um have you thought at all about coming back for italy in 2026 yeah um the thing is, so I graduate in December 2025, but obviously I can't just, I can't just, you know, skate for two weeks, show up at nationals and be like, give me my spot, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think, exactly. I don't, I don't think that I would do well enough on two weeks of training to even place in the first place. But, um, 
it, but for, forget that, like you need the body of work, right? So, so I need to compete that season. I need to compete the season prior, which means that I'd have to compete for two seasons before 2026. And that would start, that would start this coming August or September. Yeah. And, you know, I've got, I've got the ball rolling right now in my academics and it is a like each each world is a full-time commitment being an olympic athlete being a team usa athlete and being a student a dedicated student both are full-time commitments and um i don't see myself doing both for the next two years but you know i don't know like i i still feel like i have left more left to give to the sport um maybe it doesn't have to be in competition there's so many other ways to give back to the sport and you know, there really are there will always there will always be shows yeah and a lot of what you just talked yeah. about is giving back to the sport yeah. so doing that stuff to make the change in the sport is giving back to the sport so these this conversation we've had about the things that need to change in the sport you could do it you could yeah. be you could be you could the be one to change. change and that's you still in the sport contributing well, i hope so i hope that i hope that eventually i hope that eventually i have the opportunity to uh help make it so that our athletes of the future don't have to deal with the the sort of you know crap that we had to deal with so I mean, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's wishful thinking but I have got to believe that I've got to believe that, you know, I have the power to to make a difference for the better. So, well, I think that sounds wonderful. And I think that's a great place to leave it. It's been such a great conversation, Vincent. I always appreciate when you come on the podcast because I feel like our discussions go to very deep places and those are the types of discussions that can be thought provoking for the people that listen to our episode and beyond. So I really appreciate you taking the time to um, to meet with us and talk. Thank you so much, Daphne. And thank you so much, Gina. I really appreciate the conversation. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media, including the site formerly known as Twitter, X, at thiswkinskating, and then Facebook, Instagram, and threads. It's This Week in Skating. We love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying our episodes, be sure to join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash thisweekinskating. With that, we have reached the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a nice week! <laughs>